Well, good morning again. Greetings to each of you in Jesus' name this morning. Hope. Hope has already come up in our service this morning. And I thought about a song, a line in a song, and I can't remember the song, but it says something like, Hope that sends a shining ray far down the future's broadening way. And just the, the picture of a, of a road and light shining down that road. Hope. <clears throat> a man asked me about a week and a half ago, what is your hope in? And I didn't just have a, an answer that was just right on the tip of my tongue. I knew kind of what I wanted to say, but not particularly how to express it. O little town of Bethlehem. What happened in Bethlehem? Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are of old from everlasting. And then that passage in Micah in the Old Testament was quoted again by the chief priests and scribes in Matthew 2, verse 6. The wise men came to Herod and they said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? And Herod said, now wait a minute. He didn't say that, but he was thinking that. So he called the chief priests and scribes and says, where's Christ supposed to be born? And they quoted this verse. Or they told him it was in Bethlehem and, and it quoted this verse. That's how they knew where Christ was going to be born. And so then Herod called the wise men and said, go search for him, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him. That song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, is one of my favorites. And I want to look at that song this morning. It has kind of a progressive message So it's this little town, this insignificant town in Israel. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hopes and fears. What is hope? What is fear? How are they met? What's, this, what's the song saying? Well, hope, in a very general sense, is the possibility that something could get better. That there could be a good ending. That the way that it is today might not be the way that it always is. That it could get better. And fear 
is the response that we have when things are wrong. When we know something's wrong and something could get worse and the, the bad thing that we're dealing with might remain the same when it might get worse. See, those are, those are things that happen within us. Hope and fear. We might look at a situation or a circumstance or the future and there might be something that stirs inside of us that is either hopeful or fearful. Conditions of the soul. And hope is what gives us something to reach for another day, to take another step forward. That we might be able to go beyond where we are. Something that takes us towards, it gives us purpose. It helps us reach for fulfillment. And fear tends to paralyze us and and stop us from doing anything. And, and if we're in a, a fearful state or situation, we might say, well, to do nothing is bad, but to do something might be even worse when we're being controlled by fear. How are the hopes and fears met here in Bethlehem? What happened? Well, when we think about hope and you hear the, the phrase seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, you can connect with that. You know, somewhere out there, this glimmer of light, this glimmer of something that will take you out of the darkness is there. And so it gives you something to orient you and take you towards that light. But we also know what it means to be trapped in darkness and not have any light and not see any way out. And it's in that, that question, where am I? Am I in a place where I, I have light? I have a place to go? Is that light a, a real light that I'm seeing? Is it something that will actually take me out of darkness? Do I have a place to go? Hebrews 6, verses 17 through 20 say this, Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel and confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. And so that verse is saying that we, can de we determine the truth in the fact that it's impossible for God to lie. And so God is giving us from His Word which He cannot break, which cannot be broken. And, and because He's giving us something in His Word, 
It's a promise that's immutable or unchangeable. And as a result of that word, we have fled for refuge towards a hope that is set before us. And then it says this, that's verse 18, then it says in verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. So this hope, or this future good that we have reached out to, that anchors our soul in hope. That gives us something to live for. It gives us something to reach for another day. The presence behind the veil is an everlasting light. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 Brian read this this morning. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Prophecy of Jesus coming. A light in a dark place. Let's sing together verse 2. So the shepherds saw angels proclaiming the glory of what God was doing. And in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and, he shall, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom, to order and to establish it with judgment and justice, from that, from that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. See, peace is the rest of the soul. 
Jesus' Jesus's call to people to come to Him was a call for them to find rest for their soul. And He's the King of peace. And unless you have peace in your soul, your soul has no rest. For Christ is born of Mary, we sing. And in this child, in this infant that the angels proclaimed, was the beginning of God extending His kingdom of peace to us. The message of Christmas inspires hope and goodwill all around us. But one of the highest times of suicide in our country is in the days and weeks following Christmas. Why is that? It's because hearing the story of Christmas is not enough. It may inspire hope, but unless the message goes beyond just hearing, it doesn't give us the rest that our soul longs for. The gift of Christmas has to be received on a different level. How does that happen? Let's sing verse 3. So in the first verse of the song, we had the hopes and fears of humanity being met or coming together. In the second verse, we have the gift of God that can meet that need. In verse 3, the gift and the need are joined. So God imparts to human hearts the message of His heaven. God is imparting. God, God wants to impart that gift not just to our hearing, not just to our knowledge, but to our heart. So does that, is that gift imparted to every heart? The last line says, where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in. You see, it's hearts that are open to the gift. It's hearts that recognize that God has given us something. It's hearts that are meek. 
What is meekness? Meekness is a difficult word to describe because it's humility, but it's not weakness. Jesus said that the meek will inherit the earth. And I don't know what all He meant by that. But I believe that meekness puts us at a place where God can work in our lives and God can impart to us His gift. But not only His gift, but God can impart to us the blessings that come through that gift. Will your soul receive that gift? It's amazing how God works. As I was thinking about this song and studying for this message, Kathy posted a few lines on WhatsApp by an unknown author that I thought were very fitting to this idea. Christmas began in the heart of God. It is complete only when it reaches the heart of man. Author unknown. Christmas began in the heart of God. It is complete only when it reaches the heart of man. God intended for a relationship to be established. And in His heart, Christmas began. The rejoining of his relationship with man. The hopes and fears meeting and fear being conquered by hope. Sunday school class, men's Sunday school class last Sunday, Franklin shared some verses from Colossians. And in Colossians 1, Paul was talking about his ministry to the Colossians. And he said, and he finishes up verse 25 by, by saying that that ministry was to fulfill the Word of God. And then verse 26 says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ coming and dwelling in you is what this gift is going to do. When it's imparted to your heart. The need and the gift and the culmination when they're joined. Christ dwelling in you. And the last verse of the song makes it personal. It's a prayer. Let's sing the last verse.
did the words of that song, that last verse, resonate with your heart as your prayer? Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Is your heart ringing with that same joyful message that the angels told because you have come to understand the gift of God and you have that hope in your soul that is an anchor, that anchors your life and gives you joy and peace and a reason to go on, a reason to take the next step, even in a world that's dark and full of sin. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. And so he's abiding with us, not as a babe, but as Lord. The Lord of our lives.